Welcome to the 401k podcast. I'm your host, Fernando Rincon Jr. This is our ninth episode, and on this episode, we will be discussing the SECURE Act, which is an abbreviation for the Setting Every Community Up for Retirement Enhancement Act. The news media has been covering the SECURE Act for most of 2019, and there has been a lot of discussion as to whether or not this bill would even pass before the December 20th, 2019 government funding deadline. Fortunately, the House approved the act on December 17th, 2019, and the Senate also approved it on December 19th, 2019. And finally, on December 20th, 2019, the last day of the government funding deadline, President Donald Trump signed the act into law. This heavily debated newly passed law is the first major retirement legislation that we have had since the Pension Protection Act of 2006. In other words, it's been 13 years since the U.S. has had a major retirement law passed. The SECURE Act will affect many plan sponsors, participants, and financial advisors in ways that they may not have realized. So, with that being said, let's begin. So, the SECURE Act is divided into four different titles. And under Title I, which focuses on the expansion and preservation of retirement savings, there are several subsections which represents each new plan law that the SECURE Act enforces. So the first section under Title I, which is Section 101, increases the Safe Harbor Auto Enrollment Deferral Contribution Percentage from 10% to 15%. So what this means is that participants in a 401k plan that offers an automatic contribution arrangement will automatically deduct a participant's salary up to 15% within a certain time frame. And usually, this occurs within several years of participation. Of course, we assume that the plan sponsor will elect the legal maximum deferral contribution amount in their plan document. However, a plan sponsor would be able to set a lower deferral limit in their plan document if they desire to do so. Section 102 eliminates the safe harbor non-elective contribution notice requirement. It also permits plan sponsors to amend their plan to a non-elective status at any time before the 30th day before the end of the plan year. After the 30th day deadline, any plan amendments to a non-elective status will be allowed if the sponsor will be making a non-elective contribution of at least 4% of compensation for all eligible plan participants for that plan year end, and an amendment is made no later than the last day to distribute excess contributions. This provision gives employers additional time to decide if they will elect to be treated as a safe harbor plan 
for a particular plan year without having to make a decision a year in advance. Section 103 increases the tax credit limitation for small employer pension plan startups. It increases the credit to the greater of $500 or the lesser of a $250 multiplied by the number of non-highly compensated employees who are eligible to participate in the plan or $5,000. This tax credit can be applied for up to three years. And this provision gives small business owners an incentive to sponsor a qualified retirement plan by receiving an increased tax credit. Section 104 creates a new tax credit of up to $500 for 401k and simple IRA plans that adopt an automatic enrollment feature. The credit is in addition to the plan startup tax credit. This credit would also be available to employers that convert an existing plan to an automatic enrollment design. This provision allows employees to automatically enroll in a retirement plan in hopes. This provision allows employees to automatically enroll in a retirement plan in hopes that more Americans will have savings for their retirement. Section 105 allows stipends and non-tuition fellowship payments received by graduate and postdoctoral students to be treated as compensation for IRA contribution purposes. This provision enables these students to begin saving for retirement and accumulate tax-favored retirement savings. Section 106 allows individuals 70 and a half or older to continue making contributions to a traditional IRA. This provision was made because Americans are working and living longer beyond traditional retirement age. Section 107 prohibits the distribution of plan loans through credit cards or similar arrangements. The change will ensure that plan loans are not used for routine or small purchases, thereby preserving retirement savings. Section 108 permits qualified defined contribution plans, Section 403B plans, or governmental Section 457B plans to make a direct trustee to trustee transfer to another employer-sponsored retirement plan or IRA of lifetime income investments or distributions of a lifetime income investment in the form of a qualified plan distribution annuity if a lifetime income investment is no longer authorized to be held as an investment option under the plan. Now the change will permit participants to preserve their lifetime income investments and avoid surrender charges and fees. Section 109 allows an employer to terminate a 403b custodial account via an in-kind distribution for our participant or beneficiary. The individual custodial account will be maintained on a tax-deferred basis as a 403b custodial account until paid out subject to the 403b rules in effect at the time that the individual custodial account is distributed. 
Now, the Treasury will issue guidance within six months after the enactment of this provision. Section 110 clarifies individuals that may be covered by a plan maintained by church-controlled organizations. Covered individuals include duly ordained, commissioned, or licensed ministers, regardless of the source of compensation. Employees of a tax-exempt organization controlled by or associated with a church or a convention or association of churches and certain employees after separation from service with a church, a convention or association of churches. And the purpose of this provision is to make it easier to identify eligible participants in 403b plans. Section 111 allows part-time employees to participate in a 401k plan by requiring employers to have a dual eligibility requirement under which an employee must complete either a one year of service requirement or three consecutive years of service where the employee completes at least 500 hours of service. In the case of employees who are eligible solely by reason of the latter new role, the employer may elect to exclude such employees from testing under the non-discrimination and coverage rules and from the application of the top-heavy rules. However, this provision excludes collectively bargained 401k plans. Section 112 allows penalty-free withdrawals from retirement plans for any qualified birth or adoption distributions. Section 113 increases the required minimum distribution age from 70 and a half to 72. Section 114 provides pension funding relief for community newspaper plan sponsors by increasing the interest rate to calculate those funding obligations to 8%. Additionally, this bill provides for a longer amortization period of 30 years from 7 years. These two changes would reduce the annual amount that struggling community newspaper employers would be required to contribute to their pension plan. Section 115 allows home health care workers to contribute to a plan or IRA by amending code sections 415C and 408O to treat their difficulty of care payments as compensation for purposes of calculating the contribution limits to define contribution plans and IRAs. So there's about 15 provisions under Title I of the SECURE Act. Now, Title II, which focuses on administrative improvements, has lesser sections, but just as detailed plan provision changes. For example, Section 201 under Title II of the SECURE Act permits businesses to treat qualified retirement plans adopted before the due date, including extensions of the tax return, for the taxable year to treat the plan as having been adopted as of the last day of the taxable year. Now, this additional time to establish a plan provides flexibility for employers 
that are considering adopting a plan and also gives the opportunity for employees to receive contributions for that earlier year and begin to accumulate retirement savings. Now, Section 202 directs the IRS and Department of Labor to effectuate the filing of a consolidated Form 5500 for similar plans. Plans eligible for consolidated filings must be defined contribution plans with the same trustee, the same named fiduciary or named fiduciaries under RISA, and the same administrator using the same plan year and providing the same investments or investment options to participants and beneficiaries. The change will reduce aggregate administrative costs, making it easier for small employers to sponsor a retirement plan and thus improving retirement savings. Section 203 requires benefit statements provided to defined contribution plan participants to include a lifetime income disclosure at least once during any 12-month period. The disclosure would illustrate the monthly payments the participants would receive if the total account balance were used to provide lifetime income streams, including a qualified joint and survivor annuity for the participant and the participant's surviving spouse and a single life annuity. The Secretary of Labor is directed to develop a model disclosure. Disclosure in terms of monthly payments that will provide useful information to plan participants in correlating the funds in their defined contribution plan to lifetime income. Plan fiduciaries, plan sponsors, or other persons will have no liability under ERISA solely by reason of the provision of lifetime income stream equivalents that are derived in accordance within the assumptions and guidance under the provision and that include the explanations contained in the model disclosure. Section 204 provides certainty for plan sponsors in the selection of lifetime income providers, a fiduciary act under ERISA. And under the bill, fiduciaries are afforded an optional safe harbor to satisfy the prudence requirement with respect to the selection of insurers for a guaranteed retirement income contract and are protected from liability for any losses that may result to the participant or beneficiary due to an insurer's inability in the future to satisfy its financial obligations under the terms of the contract, removing ambiguity about the applicable fiduciary standard, which eliminates a roadblock to offering lifetime income benefit options under a defined contribution plan. Section 205 modifies the non-discrimination rules with respect to closed plans to permit existing participants to continue to accrue benefits. The modification will protect the benefits for older, longer service employees as they near retirement. Now, Title III of the SECURE Act focuses on other benefits that are not directed to uh, retirement benefits. For example, Section 301 reinstates for one year the exclusions for qualified state or local tax benefits 
and qualified reimbursement payments provided to members of qualified volunteer emergency response organizations and increases the exclusion for qualified reimbursement payments to $50 for each month during which a volunteer performs services. Section 302 expands 529 education savings accounts to cover the costs associated with registered apprenticeships, homeschooling, up to $10,000 of qualified student loan repayments, including those for siblings, and private elementary, secondary, or religious schools. Now, Title IV under the SECURE Act focuses on the revenue provisions. For example, Section 401 modifies the required minimum distribution rules with respect to defined contribution plan and IRA balances upon the death of the account owner. Under the legislation, distributions to individuals other than the surviving spouse of the employee or IRA owner, disabled or chronically ill individuals, or individuals who are not more than 10 years younger than the employee or IRA owner, or child of the employee who has not reached the age of majority, are generally required to be distributed by the end of the 10th calendar year following the year of the employee or IRA owner's death. Section 402 increases the failure to file penalty to the lesser of $400 or 100% of the amount of the tax due. Increasing the penalties will encourage the filing of timely and accurate returns which, in turn, will improve overall tax administration. Section 403 modifies the failure to file penalties for retirement plan returns. The Form 5500 penalty would be modified to $105 per day, not to exceed $50,000. Failure to file a registration statement would incur a penalty of $2 per participant per day, not to exceed $10,000. Failure to file a required notification of change would result in a penalty of $2 per day, not to exceed $5,000 for any failure. Failure to provide a required withholding notice results in a penalty of $100 for each failure, not to exclude $50,000 for all failures during any calendar year. Increasing the penalties will encourage the filing of timely and accurate information returns and statements and the provision of required notices, which, in turn, will improve overall tax administration. Section 404 allows the IRS to share returns and return information with the U.S. Customs and Border Protection for purposes of administering and collecting the heavy vehicle use tax. And with that said, this is the end of our ninth podcast episode. As previously mentioned, the goal of this episode was to educate you on the SECURE Act and how it will affect qualified retirement plans. So, if you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcast, Radio Republic, follow me on Instagram, and connect with me on LinkedIn. Also, if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please support the 401k podcast with a small monetary contribution of your choice. 
whether it's a $1, $5, or $10 a month contribution to support our commitment to educate the public about qualified retirement plans. All you have to do is visit my Anchor Podcast account and click on the Support This Podcast button. My Anchor Podcast webpage link will be posted on the bottom of my YouTube video. For any inquiries, please email me at the 401 podcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.